As we continue in our Envisioning series this morning, we turn today to the area of church life that we titled, At That Church Meeting, Biblical Teaching Applied to the Everyday Life. And we will be looking at how James encourages us to do just that, to apply God's word to our lives every day. And not just on a Sunday morning when we bring our masks and appear at the door. So let's start immediately by looking at our passage in James, starting at verse 19. James writes, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. James wants us to know that he's making an important point here, isn't he? He's telling us, take note of this. I'm about to tell you something and don't forget it. Put it in that memory. Other versions will say, know this, know this. Everyone should be quick to listen. Quick to listen to what? Apple Music? The Smiths? Little Mix? See, I'm down with the kids. Our husbands, our wives, to our children, to the news, to jokes, to politicians, to our pets? Well, no. We're not to be quick to listen to any old thing that we hear, but verses 19 and 20 are surrounded by the answer to what we should be quick to listen to. In verse 18, we read that he chose to give us birth through the word of truth. And in verse 21, just afterwards, humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Ah, here we are then. It is the word of God that we're called to respond to in these ways because it has the power to save and we're called to respond to God's word in three ways here in verse 19. Firstly, we are to be quick to listen. We must be listeners of the word of God, the word that gives us new life. Who wouldn't want to be quick to listen to the words that give us eternal life? Only a fool. Remember uh, what we started the service on that passage. Peter said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. So when the word of God is spoken out, or we read it and we hear it in our minds, we must be quick to stop whatever else is occupying our minds at our, at, or our time and quick to listen to the words that gave us new birth into eternal life. The word of God is that important to the Christian. When God speaks, it's always important. And secondly, in contrast to being quick to listen, James tells us we must be slow to speak. And being slow to speak helps us in a few ways. Firstly, it gives us time to fully understand and contemplate the word that we're listening to. Secondly, it protects us from putting up a barrier between us and the word. I remember being told off by my mother many 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 times growing up and as she was in the middle of reeling off this list of home truths about my behavior i quite often start shouting rhubarb 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 just so i couldn't listen to them all and that went down obviously really well with my mum, as you can imagine and it wasn't long before she was chasing me around the house with a wooden spoon and eventually she would catch me and that quick tongue 
being quick to speak was tamed and I began to listen quickly once more. Thirdly, when the word of God convicts us of our sin, our pride immediately wants to justify our actions. And instead of shouting rhubarb, rhubarb, we can answer back to the truths that we are being told in God's word. Being slow to speak puts the brakes on that. And fourthly, of course, no matter what we have got to say, how brilliant it is, it isn't going to be as worthwhile as when God speaks. And in his word, he is always speaking. So there's some humility involved in being slow to speak to. Many times in the wisdom literature of the Bible, the restraint of the tongue is advised. In Proverbs 10, we read, sin is not ended by multiplying words, but the prudent hold their tongues. And in Proverbs 17, the one who has knowledge uses words with restraint. And whoever has understanding is even tempered. Even fools are thought wise if they keep silent and discerning if they hold their tongues. And of course, James is called by quite a few commentators, uh, almost the, the New Testament book of Proverbs, because there's so much wisdom within it. And chapter three, he uses a whole chapter pretty much on taming the tongue. Thirdly, the third response then to God's word here in this verse 19, opening verse, is to be slow to anger. When God's word convicts us of our sin, and it always will, like I said, our pride is damaged and our self-righteousness is proven false. And we quickly want to justify ourselves. And because we can't, it's impossible against that word of truth, anger flares up now and again. It boils over on many occasions as we fight to justify our sin. And as we see in verse 20, if this anger builds up, Verse 20, human anger can never produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, James says in verse 21, when the word of God, when heard and correctly understood, shows up our sins and our failings, instead of speaking quickly or getting angry, we are told to act upon it. Get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word that is planted in you, which can and will save you. Humbly accept the word planted in us, which is the opposite of pride, isn't it? Humility. In humility, we submit to the word of truth, the word of life, the word of God, that through his spirit given to us, will convict us and does convict us of our wrongdoing and our not doing of good deeds. And it will save us. As in contrast to verse 20, it will produce the righteousness that God desires. And as we will be living according to his will by obeying his word and putting to death our moral filth, and if we're doing this with the spirit of humility rather than pride, it will be a joyful thing to do and not something that makes us angry or unhappy. Being quick to listen, then, is the right response to the word of God. And now James expands on that a little bit in verse 22, where listening, as we heard earlier, isn't enough by itself. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Doing what the word says won't just get you a perfect cheese sandwich. 
Being quick to listen to God's word and listening to it well is not the testimony of a true Christian unless it is accompanied by obedience to it. We must do what it says. There must be a visible application of the word in our lives, a noticeable change in our behavior, or we simply are not living the life of a Christian, but deceiving ourselves by calling ourselves one, deceiving ourselves by thinking of ourselves as a Christian, and in doing so, giving a false witness to those who we claim to be a Christian too. Verse 21 again, if we humbly accept the word which calls us to obedience, then this word can save us. But if we don't and continue to do our own thing, then the word will not save us. Repentance, a turning away from our sin and towards God, is the sign of a true believer. Jesus' own words as he came, into the, uh, came to earth, repent for the kingdom of God is near. Now, the word of God, while showing up our sin, does so much more than that. It also calls us to do good works, the works that God would have us do. And these good works are just as important in being obedient doers of the word as repentance. They come together. In our last verse for, for today, in verse 27, James puts it this way. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted from the world. God works, uh, good works and holiness are the signs of obedience. We can't choose one or the other. Our faith must be accompanied by both as we point, point to and glorify God in our lives for he is a good and a holy God. Good works on their own do good, but unless they're uh, accompanied by humble, repentant living, they don't point to God. They point to ourselves being great. And good morals without works, caused by the heart change that the word produces, can so easily lead to quick speech, self-righteousness at others. Verse 26, those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves. And their religion is worthless. Let's not become Pharisees. We talked about Zacchaeus, the tax collector, last week. And just before Jesus met him, he told a parable of another tax collector to warn those of self-righteousness and acts of religion over acts of humility when understanding what God truly desires. In uh, Luke 18, we read this. To some who were confident of their own self-righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and one a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like that tax collector over there. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But, says Jesus, the tax collector stood at a distance and would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Jesus says, I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. 
the tax collector, convicted by hearing and knowing God's word, knew himself to be a sinner and acting upon it in humility and repentance, prayed for God's mercy. The Pharisee, wallowing in his own self-righteousness, was quick to speak, slow to listen to what God's word would have him do. And his good works were just born out of empty religious duty and not a repentant heart. James calls us here to live lives both of good works and obedience as we image our Lord to the world and testify to being born, born again by his powerful world, uh, word. Christ, the one who had no moral filth, in perfect sinlessness, full of divine good works as he provided healing after healing, driven by his compassion for the poor and needy, driven by his mission to seek and save the lost, his holiness, his obedience to his father's law and his good works pointed to who he was and to whom he was sent by. He is our example. He is who James calls us in humility as the word changes us to image to the best of our strivings as we listen and obey. And in doing so, we will point others to him, not to ourselves. James continues in verse 23 and 24. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. You know, there's some mornings, although they're becoming less and less now, when I get out of bed and really do think that I'm 25 again. I get up, have a coffee, joke around with Sam and Gracie before they go off to school, and then, well, and then I go and brush my teeth and look in the mirror, and I see mm, not a 25-year-old, but my true self. Not quite 50 yet, still under 50, but still, wow. When I look in that mirror, it shows me all of my imperfections, my wrinkles, my worry lines, my bags under my eyes, my ever-receding hairline, etc., etc., etc. Well, this is what James is telling us about the Word of God. It is a mirror to us. When we look into it, we hear it, it gives us an absolutely true reflection of ourselves and our imperfections. And we must not under any circumstances, try and change that word because God gives it to us to change us. We're not to change it. It is there to change us. It's so powerful. In Hebrews 4, we read, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates into dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of our hearts. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. And we can, if we like, choose to ignore our faults and our failings and walk away from the word of God, our mirror. But if we do, James says, we're lying to ourselves and forgetting easily who we truly are and who God says that we are, and who God asks us to be, and what he asks us to do. We can take that very quick glance at his word and then run off, but James says, no, 
don't take a quick glance, but instead, verse 25, whoever looks into the perfect law that gives freedom intently and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. James says, look intently into the word, know the word, understand what God is saying, understand what God requires of you, and go do it. Continue to do the perfect law that brought you freedom and eternal life, and God will bless you. He will work for the good of those who love him. And being blessed by God is good and joyous and addictive and wanted and needed. And so if we are here, a family at Abbey Church, who are attentive and obedient to what James is saying in this passage, being quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to anger, desiring and encouraging one another to listen intently to what God has to say to us in his word, and then acting upon it in good deeds and repentance, then we will be truly happy and so joyful as we receive the benefit of the Lord's blessing when living out our faith in obedience and good deeds. And so then some of the desires of our vision of a healthy and vibrant church that we laid out at the meeting will be on full show for all who attend Abbey Church. There will be excitement and anticipation in coming together to worship, to learn together on a Sunday morning. Yes, indeed, hallelujah, but also Sunday evenings and midweek groups too. And because of that excitement and that knowledge of God acting in our lives, not just knowledge, but seeing each other truly changing more and more into the likeness of Jesus, our individual commitment to come together in fellowship regularly will grow and grow and grow. We'll be like the early church. In Acts, Luke writes, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. So let's be, let's adhere to what the writer of Hebrews asks us to do. Let us consider how we must, how we can spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And as we do that, as we become those who are quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger, we will see those four areas that we identified of a flourishing, healthy church flow into one another. We will see how being willing to allow God's word to apply in our own individual lives will lead to and help our outreach and our evangelism, the things that we dis discussed last week. Paul writes in Philippians, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to do good works. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling and arguing so that you may, you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. And then you will shine among them like the stars of the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. So let's be in prayer for ourselves and one another then that we will not just be hearers, 
but doers of God's word. Let us excitedly welcome the changes and blessings that his goodness and our obedience will bring to each individual. And let's pray that we too can have that same spirit and agree with the words that flowed from the anonymous composer of Psalm 119, Psalm 119. Let me read some verses from that. The psalmist writes, Blessed are those who are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his statutes and seek him with all their heart. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your laws and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. Your statutes are my delight. They are my counsellors. They are my counsellors. We're called to good works. So let us be quick to listen to the word of God. Let his mirror of truth always compel us, not only to be hearers, but doers of his word in acts of repentance and obedience, in acts of good works. And as we do this through our changed lives, we will be distinct from this sinful world and point others to our glorious Savior, our Lord, and our King. Amen.